Fred Jasper's now chasing Bobby Knight back to his chair. And he's we got, got him right there. There's the tee. Technical against the bench and against Bob Knight. Steve Reed, an excellent free throw shooter, will have the honor of shooting the technicals. Looky here, looky here. Bobby Knight just threw his chair clear across the free throw lane. And Bob Knight is gone. Well, I'll tell you, that just kind of demonstrates the kind of year it's been over here and uh, total frustration, but there's really no excuse for losing your poise to the point of throwing a chair across the basketball floor. On November 1st, 2023, Bobby Knight, the legendary college basketball coach who was known as much for pacing the sidelines in his trademark red sweater and unleashing fiery temper tantrums as for his nearly unrivaled record over a 40-plus year career, passed away at the age of 83. Knight had been in failing health for a number of years and was hospitalized last April with an undisclosed illness, but the towering figure passed away at his home in Bloomington, Indiana, surrounded by his family, who released a simple statement on his passing, saying, Quote, we are grateful for all the thoughts and prayers and appreciate the continued respect for our privacy as coach requested a private family gathering, which is being honored. Fittingly for a man with such a famously unwavering commitment to discipline, the general, as he was known in basketball circles, gave his final directive to his family about the terms he wanted for his last days on earth, and they were followed to a T. Bobby Knight's accomplishments during his 42-year coaching career quite simply set the standard for excellence in the modern era of college sports. He compiled 902 wins, a record at the time, and still sixth on the all-time list. He was a demanding perfectionist and fiercely competitive, bringing a militaristic approach with his strict coaching style and attention to detail designed to bring the very best out of his young athletes. After graduating from Ohio State University, he began his head coaching career in 1965 as the youngest Division I coach in history when he took the reins of the basketball program at West Point at the age of just 24. And he more than lived up to expectations, compiling over 100 wins in just six seasons before taking the job at Indiana University in 1971, where he strung together 29 brilliant seasons and amassed a record of 662 wins against just 239 losses, an astounding 73.5% winning percentage that included 24 appearances in the NCAA tournament, three titles in 1976, 81, and 87, and getting named National Coach of the Year four times. Indiana itself became largely synonymous in pop culture with basketball because of Bobby Knight, who carried the torch for the state's deep traditions and even became the inspiration for coach Norman Dale, played by Gene Hackman in the 1986 sports classic Hoosiers, about a coach with a spotty past who leads a small Indiana high school to the state championship. The early successes in particular, the undefeated season, which proved his brand of hard-nosed, uncompromising basketball actually worked, bred expectations and a nearly psychotic obsession with winning in Knight, who said, quote, most people have the will to win, few have the will to prepare to win. And when he had the players to work in his system, he coached Quinn Buckner, Mike Woodson, and Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas during his days at Indiana, Indiana was nearly unstoppable. But when his teams failed to measure up, the dark side of Bobby Knight would come out, with his explosive temper leading to legendary locker room tirades, and the famous chair-throwing incident just a few minutes into a game against rival Purdue in 1985. Over the years, he'd be accused of choking one of his players during a practice in 1997, an incident he denied but was caught on video, and even mock-whipping a black player with a bullwhip in 1992 before the NCAA regional finals, 
an episode that was so tone-deaf and racially insensitive that it even shocked his most ardent defenders at the time. He would famously berate and browbeat members of the media, unleashing torrents of expletives and unguarded, off-color comments that only made him a bigger target for reporters. Basically, he was good copy. He eventually was fired by Indiana after countless warnings forced the university to implement a zero-tolerance policy, which he promptly violated by grabbing a freshman student's arm who had referred to him by his last name alone, a show of disrespect the old-school coach apparently just couldn't countenance, insisting he be referred to as Mr. Knight or Coach Knight. The firing of the living legend was met with outrage from the student body, who rallied to Knight's support and burned images of Indiana University President Miles Brand. Knight himself would pick up the pieces, taking the head coaching job at Texas Tech and quickly improving a then moribund program and leading the team to three NCAA tournaments in each of his first four seasons before retiring in 2008. Despite his controversial past, news of his death led to an outpouring of tributes focusing on the legendary coaching career of Bobby Knight, a career that straddled two very different generations of the sport, from its early days of tightly disciplined squads led by titans like Adolph Rupp at Kentucky and John Wooden at UCLA, to the modern era of one-and-done prima donnas coached by John Calipari and Rick Pitino. Through it all, Bobby Knight was there, learning from the greats and mentoring the new guys, and maintaining an unwavering and uncompromising attitude about the game he loved. Legendary Duke coach Mike Krzyzewski, who played for Knight at Army and eventually surpassed his mentor's win total on his way to becoming the winningest Division I coach in NCAA history, said it best. We lost one of the greatest coaches in the history of basketball today. Clearly, he was one of a kind. Coach Knight recruited me, mentored me, and had a profound impact on my career and in my life. This is a tremendous loss for our sport. I'm Derek Kaufman. I'm Jason Beckerman. And this is a special episode of Last Days, Bobby Knight. So in, in so many ways, Bobby Knight was a man caught between two generations, and I think that you hit on this. He got to start at West Point ser- while serving in the Army. He taught a hard-nosed brand of basketball that focused on discipline, something that would not have been out of place in the 1960s in a military academy. He was known for his explosive temper, but also considered one of the best young coaches in the country. And a lot of players have used the phrase that he taught them how to be a man. Quinn Buckner, one of his great stars in his early years of, uh, at Indiana, who won his first national championship with, has said that he taught, Bobby Knight taught him how to be a man. And I think that back then, Derek, you know, that was, that was something that was so lauded and so important to, to the American way of life, being taught how to be a man through strict discipline, regimentation, abuse sometimes yes. came with that, both physical abuse and certainly emotional abuse. And those who could hack it succeeded and those who couldn't take it failed. And that was sort of the way that it was approached back then. I think you're exactly right. And it's sort of the paradox of of Bobby Knight in and out of himself because he was so strict with his discipline towards his team, but so unguarded and volatile yes. in his life. He could speak out and lash out and have these tirades, but it was almost like a you were in the military. You know, Quinn Buckner and Isaiah Thomas, they still speak very highly of him. And these are guys who are soft-spoken and measured about their sort of way of going about life and approaching basketball. 
And all the antics aside, that's what he demanded of his players. And right. that element of, of Bobby Knight is pure genius. It's really sort of why he is extremely famous and got away with all those antics yeah. because he was so important to the game of basketball. Me growing up, the red sweater, seeing him sort of prowling the sidelines and explosive in the way he was, it, it sort of distracted you from the fact that this was a guy who invented basically the motion offense, which is yeah. still used in basketball today. He really perfected that. And his teams, even when they weren't, the Michael Jordans weren't on his team. The Patrick Ewings weren't. They were consistently winning with talent that wasn't at that level because he had such a good system. And just to prove a point based on what you said about Jordan, the kids that he has sent on to the NBA, very few of them achieved great levels of success. Isaiah Thomas being the one exception. But, you know, if you look at Steve Alford, if you look at Dean Smith, he's got a legion of people that went on to be NBA Hall of Famers. Michael Jordan first among them, obviously. But Bobby Knight didn't do that. Instead, he took sort of the kid, the hardworking grinder kids, the Quinn Buckners and Calbert Chaney's of the world who never became great, legendary NBA players and got the most out of them through his style. And it was really this winning, as you mentioned, three national championships, 76, 81 and 87. The, the winning is what kept him above controversy for so long. We talked about the two generations. I'm not even sure that no matter how much you win, you can get away with what he did today. I don't think you could. I don't think so. Not a chance. But even back, right. People were blanching at his antics back, back then. They were. <laughs> but what, what the difference in time was as long as he won, people excused it. They kept their mouths shut and they just went along with it, even though the stories were starting to leak out more and more about how his antics were getting himself and his players into trouble. In the 1970s, he punched an IU and Indiana University longtime sports information director over a news release that upset the coach. He later in the 70s uh, punched a police officer at the Pan Am Games, where it really created an international incident. It was a foreign police officer. He punched him in the face, but no action is taken. Again, excused. They always let Bobby Knight have the last word. Go out and say why it was justified for him to do it, and nobody questioned it. And certainly, none of the local beat reporters would ever dare cross Bobby Knight. And there's a lot of talk about the fact that he was given kid glove treatment by the press because they were terrified of him. He really did. He really mistreated media members. I mean, there's no whitewashing that he was nasty. He was downright nasty to them. There's lots of footage of this. There are clips. He would be in press conferences. He was always condescending. Yes. But he was also entertaining. Remind you of anyone? He sounds a little Trumpian. He is a little Trumpian, right? That, that same idea that he, what he says, he's the one that gets to explain what he said. And anybody who gives a contrary explanation is dismissed as not really understanding the way things work. That's right. And and so so that really was sort of the, what he accomplished through the mid and late 80s. So he wins the title in 87, the great Keith Smart jump shot to win the title over Syracuse in 87. Then very next year, however, the first real dent in his armor comes when during an interview with Connie Chung, Knight was asked about the perception that his antics caused game referees to make, make calls that hurt Indiana. Knight, equating bad calls to women getting raped, made the unfortunate comment, quote, I think that if rape is inevitable, relax and enjoy it. Now, what he was saying was, if referees are going to treat him poorly, he's going to relax and enjoy it and figure out ways to win anyways. But just to use that phrasing is obscene and absurd. It really is. And in an interview with Connie Chung, he wasn't at a bar throwing no, a couple no. back with his right. boys. He knew he was in an interview setting and he was so unguarded and comfortable with being this sort of legend who everyone cowed to that he said anything right. and everything to people. And he really took a lot of flack for that. Rightfully so. A lot of the criticism of Bobby Knight is deserved yeah. criticism. But, I don't but, want to minimize that. But to the point we were making, the comment was quoted widely without context, without the context that it was about referees. It was just sort of taken, taken out of the context. To the extent the context matters, 
matters, and it does, sure. right? But he did not apologize. Instead, he just simply came out and said, anybody who is using that quote out of context doesn't understand what they're talking about, and I shouldn't be criticized for it because it was a perfectly apt analogy, and that was his take on it. In that same interview with Chung, Knight claimed he was always in control on the sidelines and with his players. Here's what he said. A coach has to have a control. If he doesn't have a control, then there's no purpose in his being out there. Well, you don't think you sometimes might be guilty of temper out of control? Oh, no. I think if I'm ever out of control, I quit. Oh, no, you say that so innocently. Oh, no. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't, I've never hit anybody. But Audio of Night began to emerge following that interview, suggesting just the opposite, maniacally screaming at referees, opposing coaches, even his own fans. But no one took the brunt of Bobby Knight's anger quite like his players. And it was leaked audio of a halftime speech during a game at Purdue University that really did crystallize this for many people. And you better fucking understand that right now. This is absolute fucking bullshit. I'll fucking run your ass right in the ground. I mean, I'll fucking run you. You'll think last night was a fucking picnic. I had to sit around for a fucking year with an 8 and 10 record in this fucking league. And I mean, you will not put me in that fucking position again. Or you will goddamn pay for it like you can't fucking believe. Derek, that does not sound like a man in control. Not at all. And this is really the point of Bobby Knight is he was straddling these two eras where... I believe that coaches of that era, maybe not John Wooden, but the Adolph Rupps, the fiery oh, coaches. Oh, Wooden was tough, though. Wooden was, was famously difficult on his players. Not not like anything like this. And difficult. I think they would give these colorful speeches, yeah. but he started to enter the modern era yes. where you had people recording speeches and, and there was the famous incident where he choked one of his players. He denied the incident, but there was video footage right. of him putting his hands on the player and that's how he didn't adapt his style for the modern era, yet he fully existed in both. Adolph Rupp was, you know, quite sort of of an earlier era, so he sort of sidestepped all this stuff. Bobby Knight existed through the early 2000s when all of the media attention could sort of expose him in a way that just didn't work out for Bobby Knight. Let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll be right back. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Adidas, Macy's, or Levi's. And you can even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares that money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. So he's eventually fired from Indiana, and there are really two scandals that defined him, and I think eventually got him fired. And this, we're into the 1990s here, right? One of them is the choking uh, uh, incident you talked about, Patrick Reed, one of his players, not, not a particularly big name player, during practice, so Patrick Reed comes out later and says, I was choked by Bobby Knight. That's why I'm leaving the school. Bobby Knight said, it's not true. I don't lay my hands on on players. And during that interview with Connie Chung, you heard him talk about that he's never hurt a player. He never hit a player. Well, we didn't see him hit a player, but the video then emerges of him putting his open hand on Patrick Reed's throat and squeezing. This is not a man who is above 
hurting a player. You clearly see that there. Yeah, he famously kicked a chair with his own son, Pat yeah, Knight, when he was right. playing for his team. I mean, he that's was pretty equal opportunity about <laughs> who he was violent towards, to and, if that's any credit And for then him. the bullwhipping incident with Calvert Chaney, where he you know brings an African-American player up uh, uh, in the dais, and he, he's just like, he's playing around. He's not mad at Cal- Calvert Chaney at the time, and he's saying how the bullwhip is the best uh, way to discipline players. And he's joking presumably, and then he kind of pretend bullwhips Calvert Chaney. Yeah, you know, he said, this was given to me by my players to show what a strict disciplinarian is, but had no awareness, social awareness, of how this would look. He's on a dais. He's at the 1992 regional finals for the NCAA tournament. It's not as if he would do this stuff in secret. Bobby Knight would say these things in interviews. He would do them in press conferences, and that's what made him such a captivating figure That's, for so long. Right. And, and, and you know, he would say it's what made him a really effective coach, that he was honest with his players, he was direct with his players, they knew where he stood on these issues, and they played hard for him, which is undoubtedly true. I do want to give him one more piece of, of, of his due as a basketball yeah. genius and what he meant to the sport of college basketball. He was one of the truest believers in the concept of the student-athlete. And this is a sort of bygone notion. Now players are being paid. They can take advertising money. I mean, the game has changed considerably considerably in the modern era. He didn't believe in any of it. And he was fiercely critical of guys like John Calipari, who had, you know, players that would come in and become one and done players. He hated that. And he had the highest graduation rate for Division One programs. All but four of his four-year players completed their degrees and nearly 80% of them graduated, which was well above the national average of 42% at Division One schools across the country. And he proudly wore this. Now, you can have different views on whether that was good for the sport, which version was better, but he was principled about it. And he said, look, you come to my program, and maybe it's why he didn't get the biggest of the big stars, because he wasn't selling parties and girls and one and done and going to the pros. He was saying, you come in here, and you're going to get a great education, you're going to get a degree, and we're going to play some kick-ass basketball. And I always liked that about Bobby How do you How do you approach it, right? Here's a guy, clearly a basketball genius, no question about it. Also beloved by most of his players. There are a few who complain, and he had some transfers out and things like that, people who couldn't... But the ones who love him, love him But the ones who love him, the ones who succeeded under him, love him like no... They talk about him like very few people, I think Krzyzewski's players might be the exception, but very few former players talk about their coaches in the laudatory terms that Bobby Knight's former players talk about that. Mike Krzyzewski, who goes on to the greatest heights of, of coaching in any sport... You heard what he said about him. He loved Bobby Knight. I agree. You don't hear those same things said about John Calipari. His players do love him in a different way, but he's more of an instrument to the furtherance of their career. He doesn't seem like a true sort of mentor to make you turn you into a man and make you a better person. Bobby Knight... If you were on his good side, he really tried to mold you as a person. And look, he was deeply flawed. He was complicated. I don't want to sugarcoat Bobby Knight. I don't think it's fair to him, and I don't think it's accurate. It's not what we do here. And, you know, really, it wouldn't make any sense to end this podcast with a soundbite of him in a calm, measured, contemplative interview. (laughs) That's not Bobby Knight. There's a few of them out there. You can look them up if you want. But I don't think that's a fitting tribute to a man who is best known for those fiery outbursts and unguarded comments. It's what made Bobby Knight an original. So I wanted to give the final word to the man himself, who during a speech many years ago told everyone, particularly his critics, exactly how he wanted to be remembered. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my ass.